and welcome to the Innovative Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Jeanette Schaefer, and the goal of my podcast is to help get you thinking outside of the box when it comes to teaching and learning. Now, this week I started off with the idea of forest pedagogy or outdoor education. Uh, Our campus just implemented another mask uh, requirement that when students are indoors, you're in the classroom, or any staff employee on campus, when you're in a building, you need to have a mask on. Now we know from research that this is not always the healthiest. Uh, Just mask mask on day in, day out in the classroom with other students or in small spaces. So why not embrace a different type of pedagogy? This is a perfect opportunity to start thinking out of the box, uh, work on our teaching strategies in a different environment, And when I was looking around, I came across the forest pedagogy. And this was originated back in 1927, I believe it was, with McNeil and Russell. They call it the forest school concept. And their their goal was to improve literacy and logical mathematical intelligence by having students out in the forest. Well, this has continued and it's called a forest pedagogy. It's also considered outdoor education. Uh, There's a couple different, I guess, versions of it that you can dive into if you're interested. But in general, it tends to be student-led. Play is very important. So that opportunity to explore and play in the environment, lifelong learning, It's intended to be regular sessions and not a one-off. And then observations and collaborative work. The goal of it being a regular thing is to show the progression of learning. So if you're not feeling comfortable with the mask mandates, with students having to keep them on the whole entire time they're in the classroom, I really, really encourage you, no matter what level you're teaching, Get your students outdoors. Figure out how you can take the curriculum outside. I did do a post on LinkedIn and had a whole article on the benefits of the outside, uh, the science behind outside learning or just being outdoors. And it doesn't matter what content you teach, there is ways to teach that content outside. So if you look at math, science, any of that, you can tie it into the interest of the students, anywhere from fishing to skateboarding, uh, you name it, you can tie that in. So I encourage you all to think outside the box, take this opportunity to explore other ways you can improve your teaching uh, strategies and just include a different type of learning for your students. I think they'll appreciate it. We already know outside time, whether it's the green or the water, it really helps the well-being of students and the instructors, teachers too. Now this week for my sabbatical, if you don't know, if you're just kind of tuning in, I am on a uh, year sabbatical research project. So I am taking the whole year to research virtual beings or digital humans. I'm trying to figure out how a digital human could be used to better connect students to the community to the college and to the people on the campus. So this week I dove into uh, virtual beings in general. They're they're called anything from virtual beings, digital twins, virtual influencers, um, 
di uh, digital humans. So there's a couple different names or a couple different varieties, but in general, it's a digital character that appears to be human or takes on human characteristics and is trying to make a connection and build a relationship with the person that it's interacting with. So with this, I will be digging into some machine learning analysis, uh, artificial intelligence, and I took the time this week to really figure out, start looking at the technology. First, learning machine learning and artificial intelligence. What exactly do I need to know in order to do this project? And then what is the technology behind these digital humans? The, the thing I got from why even use a virtual character to begin with, a digital human or a virtu virtual character, we see this happening in marketing a lot right now. So I was kind of wondering the same thing, like what are the benefits and why, what is the business world doing with this or the marketing commercial world? And they, the, the one thing that I watched said the three main reasons is the product is integrated into the life story of the character. So in this case, I'm looking at the community in our college. How can I integrate that into the story of the character? Because a lot of times if you have a spokesperson or even a student, they're only there for a short period of time. So the whole story does not get integrated into any one person. We're a two-year college, so students are in and out fairly quickly. So having a virtual character or digital human will allow more time to wrap the story of the campus, of the community, into the character. Now the other one, uh, number two, was volume of conversations. So when you have a virtual character over a person, you can increase the volume of conversations. So you're not having to pay a person or you're not having to schedule a time to film. Uh, it, it's a virtual character, so you can cue them up, right? You can record things in advance, roll them out as needed. Uh, number three was less risk. With less risk comes control over the communication. So you have control over the message. You're not depending on another person to agree with your message or to get the message correctly or just hope what they say ties in with what you're wanting to portray. And then the fourth one is of course cost. You're not paying a human being to actually be a model to post to you know, whatever it is you might pay that person to do. You're not having to pay a whole staff to record. You just have the cost of the character in filming it. So those are just different things to look at when you're considering a virtual human. So it doesn't matter if you're using it for education, you're using it for the marketing world or business world. Those are considerations of why you would wanna go with a digital human over top of a person or a student. Now, I did dig in artificial intelligence. I'm doing a course on LinkedIn Learning, and no, I don't get any promotions or anything with that. It's just uh, LinkedIn Learning is one of the things I use often when I need to learn something quickly for what I do. Of course, we always have YouTube, and uh, a lot of the others, the, the BitChute, the Rumble, uh, there's plenty of resources. But I started with, uh, LinkedIn learning with this artificial intelligence because it seemed like there were a couple of 
courses that were well organized and would help me get off onto the right foot. And all I really focused on this week with that was understanding natural language understanding. So NLU and then natural language generation. So when it comes to the artificial intelligence, my takeaway was kind of the two big things is it's going to take in a language or information of the human language, and it's got to be able to understand what it's, what it's taken in. So artificial intelligence, for the most part, is actually understanding data. It's a data challenge. It's taken in all this data, and it's got to understand the data in order to generate a solution or to give information back. So with the understanding, you do have the automate, automated speech recognition. It's not exactly the same as understanding or generation of the natural language because the speech recognition is trying to understand the words that are being said where the other one's trying to understand data. So it's a little different, and a lot of times the automated speech recognition is a part of artificial intelligence because it first has to take in words from a person speaking. If you think about Alexa devices, the first thing it has to understand is what words are coming out of a person's mouth. And then the natural language understandings on the other side where it's taken those words and trying to make sense of, okay, what was just said? What question is being asked? what type of information is this question requiring as an answer? And then that's your natural language generation. So I'm already thinking about my character and you know, what type of information will students want to know? You know, what, what, what type of information am, is my character going, going to be generating on the back end? What type of questions are students going to be asking? So I've got to be able to create a character that's some that's like the Alexa technology, right? It's got to be able to hear the words and and translate, I guess, the words that a student is speaking, then understand what are they really truly asking for or what what did the response really truly mean and then generate information that will be useful to that student. So that's kind of the gist of what I dug into this week. The other thing I did look at, which took me a huge chunk of my time because it was like a hard decision to make at first, but I wanna explore really truly learning the technology to create the digital human, the virtual character. And I really, really love the metahuman that is created by Unreal game engine or the Unreal Engine game design engine. And it creates a very realistic looking digital human. I'd like that. So of course I played with that and I still like playing with it. I'm still probably gonna play with it just for entertainment. And as I'm learning, it, it keeps my brain going. But once I dug into everything, in order to process that, uh, digital human at the resolution that I would want, you need a pretty high-end machine and processing power, which I've got machines, so that's not really a problem. But 
it sounds like the rendering and the demand is extreme. And I'm trying to think through, I'm one person and I'm trying to do this. Right now, I'm like trying to work on my own, but I'm, I'm hoping to connect with people that I can work with or learn more from or, you know, uh, connect resources. So I'm just at the beginning and I haven't done that yet. Now, as I did my research, because if you know anything about game design, video game design or mobile game design, two of your big players are Unity and then the Unreal Engine. So I wanted to do my research, but knowing about the MetaHuman and being very interested, I start looking at Unreal Engine first. But then the more you dig in, the more you're like, oh, I don't think this is the right fit. So I started looking at Unity and then I did a lot of research on just reading discussions and blog posts on Unity versus Unreal Engine. What, what are the pros and cons? So Unreal Engine runs off of C++, which is a higher end programming language. Unity runs off of C Sharp, a little bit easier to learn up front. I've done some programming. I've taken uh, programming classes as part of, uh, I think it was my master's degree. And it, I do a little bit here and there, but I'm not a coder by any means. So it made sense to do C Sharp that I'm at least familiar with somewhat. And then the other thing that led me to Unity, because so Unity is what I decided to do. It appears it will work better on a Mac, and I use a MacBook Pro as my main computer. I do have a Windows machine I have it to go to, but uh, I prefer my MacBook Pro most of the time. And then I want the virtual character, digital human, to be on a mobile device. I really, really want it to go on a mobile device. That, that's my hope. So with that, Unity tends to be the tool that's used mostly, the engine used mostly when designing mobile games. And then the, it seems like the community for Unity is very, very good as far as supporting, getting answers. So that was the other thing I did this week. I got my MacBook Pro updated because I didn't have the latest uh, operating system update. Got that taken care of, which took forever. And then I've got Unity installed and I'm ready to start playing with Unity. So that's where I'm at. Hopefully there is something there that's useful. Uh, if you're a classroom teacher and you're mainly looking for pedagogical ideas, then check out that forest pedagogy because that sounds like an excellent opportunity and something to embrace around the world right now to get students outside and uh, improve their well-being. And then if you're following my journey on the sabbatical project, uh, that was a quick update of where I'm at and what I'm thinking as far as trying to create that character and what that character might be or look like. Uh, I, I'm starting off with I really want the character to be realistic, like a, a, appear to be a real human. But in the back of my mind, I keep thinking it might not be. I might, I don't know. I just, I'm not sure how I'm going to go. I already know going with Unity the person will not, or the digital character will not be as real, real looking as what I had hoped. So that may change a little bit in how I do it. But anyways, well, thank you for tuning in and uh, hopefully I'll have another podcast next Friday.
with uh, I try to do them on Friday and then post them on Sunday but I'll have an update of where I'm at and how the project's going y'all have a awesome week and thank you for tuning in bye